0: invite you to turn in your pew bibles uh, to hebrews chapter 12 verse 2 that's on page 1008 of our pew bibles and if you don't have a bible at home uh, we have extra in the back and feel free to take one with you They're on the bottom shelf of that table I'm reading this morning just a few verses from hebrews chapter 12. I'll read the first three verses, but we'll be focusing on the second verse. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2, that's on page 1008 of our Pew Bibles. Hear the word of God. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Amen to this reading of God's holy word. It's become our new custom after we read scripture uh, to say together this verse from God's word. The grass withers. The flower fades, but the Word of our God will stand forever. Let's pray, our Father and our God. we thank you for the truth of your word, the gracious gospel truth about Jesus. Lord, we pray this morning um, that you would be giving us eyes to see, ears to hear, so that we might behold uh, the salvation beauty and splendor and glory of Christ, in whose name we pray, amen. Reflect for a moment on all the sights and sounds of Christmas. You know, with sounds, we, we think of Christmas caroling. A group from the church went caroling last Thursday. You might think of the sounds of the Salvation Army Bells, at the collection kettles, a community choirs singing their Christmas specials, sights. We think of Christmas lights uh, that families string from the eaves of their roofs or around their bushes, the sights of nativity scenes or decorated Christmas trees there in the front windows uh, that you can gaze at as you pass by you know it's easy to fall into sensory overload in this season of the year we're soaking in all the christian christmas music uh, maybe sipping on egg- eggnog if that's your preference seeing all the spectacular lights at christmas but can you imagine hearing and seeing all the sights and the sounds On that first Christmas, when our Lord Jesus Christ humbly arrived in the seemingly insignificant town of Bethlehem, Jesus, the only begotten Son of God, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary. You know, this morning we'll be focusing on. Hebrews 12, verse 2, but in in a moment here, we'll be looking at the gospel accounts in Matthew 2 and in Luke chapter 2 as well. With this truth in mind, may believers always be looking to Jesus because of Christmas and the cross. For you see, as Christians, we cannot separate Christmas from the cross of Christ. Well, how can we as believers be joyfully looking to Jesus? Here in this one verse, Hebrews 12, verse 2, and I invite you to keep your Bibles open there, there is Jesus as the joyful source of faith, Jesus as our joyful sacrifice, and then Jesus' joyful seat in heaven. You know, but it begins with Jesus as the joyful source of Christmas faith. You know, the opening verses there, Hebrews twelve verse two, looking to Jesus, the pioneer, the founder, and perfecter of our faith. If you have your Bibles and pew Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter two. Uh, it's on page eight hundred and seven of our pew Bibles. Just. A quick reference, you know, as we consider this theme of of looking to Jesus. Let me read a few verses. Matthew chapter 2, verse 2. This is when the wise men are looking for Jesus. Matthew 2, verse 2, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And then skipping ahead to verse 9. After listening to the king, they went on their way, and behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with great joy. But then here, verse 11, And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother and they fell down and worshiped him then opening their treasures they offered him gifts gold and frankincense and myrrh you know when we read the gospel account you know it's it's tempting just to focus primarily on the star but the star is a pointer star It's pointing us to Christ. They saw the star, but then see the climax. Here the climax in verse 11. And going into the house, they saw the child. They saw the Christ child. Here it's the centrality of seeing Jesus. Now turn to Luke chapter 2. Of verse 9, that's on page 857 of your pew Bibles. And again, you can see almost a mirror image of, of that same truth. Luke chapter 2, verse 9, And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. Now to verse 15 of Luke 2, And when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Verse 17, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And finally, verse 20, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as as it had been told them. That that word seen comes last, heard and seen, emphasis on sight of the glory of God, this gracious Christ child. And what was their response? It was Christmas joy. They, They returned, but they kept glorifying they kept on praising God, singing joyful hymns of praise even after they returned home for all that they had heard and seen. You know, with these gospel facts of the first Christmas morning filling our minds and our eyes and our hearts, turn back to Hebrews twelve, and we're gonna we're gonna camp out there for uh, the remainder of this. Christmas morning message. You know, here again, verse 2, Hebrews 12, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured to the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God, looking to Jesus, you know, Scripture calls us constantly to fix our eyes upon Jesus. The, the word there, the verb there, has to do with the idea you, you turn away from all other distractions. Almost as if you have blinders on your eyes and you're focusing, you're fixating, your, your gaze is centered upon Christ. You know, like an eager child, Christmas morning, you know, they come out of the room, you know, and they're, they're focused on, you know, not, oh, it's a beautiful Christmas tree. No, that's not what they're looking at. You know, they're looking at the gifts. They're looking, where is my gift? Looking to Jesus. You know, why do we look to Jesus? He is the founder and perfecter of our faith. Jesus is the author, the beginner, the leader, the pioneer. You know, he leads us, we follow him in faith. He is the founder of our faith. But then secondly, he is the perfecter of faith, the finisher of our faith. One who makes possible, literally, the completion of faith. A task. The same truth we read in Revelation Jesus is called the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. You know, the book ends. Same truth here in Hebrews 12, verse 2. He is the founder and the perfecter. Jesus, a commencer and completer, makes the life of completed faith possible. J.C. Ryle put it this way Looking in Scripture when it, looking, let me emphasize that, looking, the verb, in Scripture when it refers to God or Christ denotes an act of faith or trust with hope or expectation. We're looking to Jesus, the Son of God, the Savior of sinners, the Word that became flesh. Let me give you an Old Testament illustration. Don't need to turn there, but if you want to jot it down, Numbers chapter 21. Uh, There's a scene in Israel's life, they're they're wandering in the wilderness, and and they're getting tired of walking, they're getting tired of manna, Uh, they're doubting God's providence, and so they begin to complain and grumble against God and against God's leader, Moses. You know, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? And the Lord doesn't take grumbling lightly. He sent fiery serpents among God's people. And it said that many of the Israelites died. And then the people of God came to Moses, acknowledged their sin, repented of their sins before God, And this is what we read in Numbers chapter 21, verse 8. And the Lord said to Moses, make a fiery serpent and set it on a pole, and everyone who is bitten when he sees it shall live. So Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a pole, and if a bronze serpent bit anyone, he would look at the bronze serpent and live. Jesus refers to that. In John chapter 3, for that bronze serpent, that one that we look to and live, is none other than Jesus Christ. We're looking on to Jesus for life itself, spiritual life, eternal life. Now, There's a number of Christmas hymns that speak of believers joyfully looking to Christ with eyes of faith. There's a Christmas hymn. Maybe we'll learn it one year. It written by Martin Luther, same one who wrote A Mighty Fortress Is Our God. He wrote a hymn, From Heaven High I Come to You. Wrote it in 1535. If you want to see the words, it's there, number 220 in our Trinity hymnal. Let me just quote the last two verses, thinking about looking to Jesus as the joyful source of our Christmas faith. Now let us all with gladsome cheer go with the shepherds and draw near to see the precious gift of God, who hath his own dear Son bestowed. Welcome to earth, thou noble guest, through whom the sinful world is blessed. In my distress thou comest to me, what thanks shall I return to thee? Now, this Christmas Day, keep looking to Jesus as the joyful source of our Christmas faith. That's the main truth. But there are two other briefer truths still in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. Jesus is not only the joyful source of our Christmas faith. When we think of Jesus, we must always think of his joyful sacrifice on the cross, Second part of Hebrews 12, verse 2, Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Jesus endured the cross, speaking largely of physical pain. He he persevered in pain. He set his face like a flint. No, even a greater pain have not been through this, but I would submit to you even a greater pain than than childbirth. Despising the shame. So there's not only the physical shame, but the spiritual trial as well. The cross was that object of shame and disgrace. Here we think of Christ's sacrificial death for our sins. He endured the cross. He despised the shame. Not because he was the sinner. We are the sinners. We're the ones who stand in need of his cleansing blood, his forgiveness. But there at the cross, Jesus, who was fully God and fully man, fully bore our sins. Fully paid the price for our salvation. And why did he do it? Look again. Here again, Hebrews 12, verse 2. Who for the, the joy that was set before him. Leon Morris put it this way. Jesus went to the cross for the joy it would bring. He looked right through the cross to the coming joy. The joy of bringing salvation to those he loves so jesus' joy there at the cross was the joy of loving obedience to God the Father, by God the Son, Jesus' joy in fully purchasing our salvation but we as well are recipients, blessed recipients of that joy We have the joy of forgiveness of sins the the joy of salvation. The joyous hope of life eternal through faith in Christ, the joy of heaven. So we can truly call it salvation joy at the cross. Jesus became flesh, the word became flesh. Jesus came fully knowing that he would die for our sins on the cross. So there is joy not only there at Bethlehem, but there is joy at Calvary as well. You know, consider our earthly joys at Christmas. And, and, and they're real. I'm not trying to pour water on anyone's uh, family fires. You know, family gatherings, great food, loving gifts, joyful laughter, reminiscing. And, and those are good joys. But think for a moment about our eternal joys. It's God's plan and purpose that his beloved children rejoice in Christ's lowly birth and his sacrificial death for our sins on the cross. Therefore, I would submit to you that that we can all rejoice today. All those who are trusting in Christ. There may be Some of you, maybe many of you this morning, who are struggling. You know, preacher, I don't have any cause for joy. You don't know my family situation. You don't know my finances. You don't know the condition of my home, health, you name it. You don't know this past year that I've been through. But here, God's word reminds us of the we can know joy because of Christ's joyful sacrifice for our sins at the cross, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Finally, there is Jesus. As we look to Jesus, we see him on his joyful seat in heaven. So, Jesus as the joyful source of our Christmas faith, Jesus and his joyful sacrifice on the cross, Jesus and his joyful seat in heaven. The last part of Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. And is seated at the right hand of God. You know, there's a wonderful trilogy there. You know, we see Jesus being born at Bethlehem, we see Jesus dying for our sins on the cross but where is Jesus now he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God at christmas it's it's tempting just to have this romantic picture of Jesus you know the, this perfect baby you know lying in the hay in a manger radiant beams from his face It's the way it's shown in some paintings. The rich array of animals surrounding Jesus, ox and ass before him bow, and he is in the manger now. That's where I disagree with the words of one hymn, Silent Night. How could it be a silent night? A newborn baby, singing shepherds, bleeding sheep, a joyful Mary and Joseph. I believe it was anything but silent, praise God. But there is a greater joy as we see Jesus on the cross and even greater joy, more glorious joy, as we see Jesus seated on the throne. You know Why is that important that we see Jesus on the throne? It means his redeeming work is done. That's when you sit, when the work is done. But even on the throne, Jesus rules and reigns over us. We read this, Hebrews chapter 8, verse 1. Now the point in what we are saying is this. We have such a high priest, one who is seated at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. That's where Jesus sits even now, interceding for us, ruling and reigning over us in love. So this Christmas, may every believer be looking to Jesus, not only as a babe in Bethlehem, but a Savior on the cross, the Lamb upon the throne. You know, there, there's the gospel message. That yes, we are sinners, but God has graciously sent his son Jesus to be our Savior. Thou shalt call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. Close again with a Christmas hymn. Born thy people to deliver, born a child and yet a king, born to reign in us forever, now thy gracious kingdom bring, by thine own eternal spirit rule in all our hearts alone. By thine all-sufficient merit, raise us to thy glorious throne. Let's pray. Our Father and our God, we thank you that you have sent your Son, Jesus, not only to become flesh, not only to be born as a baby in Bethlehem, But we thank you that Jesus lovingly, obediently, faithfully became flesh to die for our sins on the cross. To be raised again from the dead. Thank you that he sits on the throne even now. And Father, may we all today and in the days ahead be looking to Jesus. Looking to Jesus with with eyes of hope and hearts of faith because of your gracious love for us. We give you praise in Christ's name. Amen.